You are listening to Future Voices, a podcast brought to you by Beha Futures Foundation. Hello, hello. Welcome to Futures Voices episode number eight. Today our topic will be creativity and we have a perfect guest for it. I have the honor to speak with one really outstanding lady. Her name is Mihela Magash and she's a big friend of our foundation and a supporter of our work but also someone who wears so many hats that I'm afraid to address her with just one title. You'll hear more about it later. Mihela, welcome to Futures Voices. It's great to have you here. It's a pleasure. You are an artist, consultant, AI advisor for G7, futurist, TED speaker, engineer, and so on and so on. Now, I, I read that someone described you as an innovation catalyst. And that is something I would say probably if I had to describe you in just a few words. But how do you see yourself? How would you describe yourself to someone who has never met you? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I was actually trained as a designer. And, um, okay. And from a very, very early age, in fact, uh, some of your listeners may be familiar uh, with my father's work, he designed the Museum of National History in Sarajevo, which is now a great uh, listed building, and uh, it's also now supported by the Getty Foundation. Um, and also the stadium Poljudin Split, uh, the Hajduk Stadium, Hajduk Split Stadium, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. um, world yeah. famous as and held the record for the largest unsupported arts for around ten years um, for that type of construction. And uh, that's also a listed building. So from an early age, my parents were training me to work with them. Uh, even when I was um, uh, my very early sort of years of school. So mm -hmm. um, this is a very interesting uh, start of a career, if you like, because it sort of created a long-term um, legacy for me. When I went to study design, it was second nature, and I very. Uh, quickly got into system design. I mean, when I was working with my parents, I was working on technical descriptions, big projects. And I was written into projects at mm -hmm. in an early age. And then I got into system design. Um, and the interesting thing is that when you look at my career, this is why people find it sort of perhaps slightly difficult to describe because I cross various domains in my work. Exactly, but exactly. all of it, yes, but all of it has actually a, a common thread. I, I graduate, my graduation project was a, a design for a newspaper for the digital age, one of the earliest things that I got headhunted by the Financial Times for. And then mm -hmm. I, I progressed into designing um, systems that analyze similarities and features of music and systems that allowed you to browse through big data in much faster ways, and then systems that supported communities to be able to collaborate. And right now I'm on, a, on my you know, probably the biggest um, project yet, which is the industry commons, which is mm -hmm. allowing uh, industry to collaborate cross domain. Uh, so it's a rather big endeavor, but it all ends up, uh, all boils down to a, a system design, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great. But system design, but from so many different sides. That's right. I mean, there are commonalities, yeah. you know, when, when I say my early training, um, when you look at system architecture, it has some of the thinking and some of the creative approach of mm -hmm. the systems you design of 
people mobility inside architectural buildings, you know, or mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. flow the flow inside architecture will be sort of similar to the flow of information in systems. There are some elements that are actually portable, the approach, the thinking, um, the sort of training. And um, yeah. in, my, you know, in my opinion, actually, there are quite a few people who are into systems design, but they tend to, there aren't particular courses that are devoted to the, that particular subject. There, there's uh, mm -hmm. um, people will study computing or computer science and get into design of systems within computer science, for instance. And, um, but I've also have colleagues who are, for instance, um, heading big um, um, medical and health research departments who have come out of gaming systems design for gaming, yeah. and they've mm -hmm, gone into mm -hmm. you know systems design for for, for medical. So there, are, it, it does. It is portable. It's a bit like, let's just say, it's a bit like uh, kind of when you are trained in management. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, there are some aspects of that you can take from one domain to another. Um, uh, there are some commonalities. Yeah, but the principles stay the same, yeah. Yes, yes, that's right, yes. Okay. Um, the questions, the research questions are the same. The challenges can be quite similar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so one, one quick question. What is the project that you are most proud of? Like something that you made, doesn't matter in which industry, what would you highlight right now? Well, when you are a creative thinker, the thing that sort of excites you most is always the one you're working on right now. Um, <laughs> so, of course, the Industry Commons, I mean, we now have an Industry Commons Foundation, which we have founded in Sweden, we are extremely proud of, uh -huh. uh, with some of the best open innovation thinkers, um, including those who have founded the Open Innovation Industry and Policy Group for the European Commission, people who are advisors of innovation, on innovation to Juncker, and uh, people who are heads of innovation, for instance, um, for the Imperial College in London, uh, or people who are heads of the uh, Swedish Media Council, etc., etc. So, uh, amazing, amazing group of people. And um, uh, the most important thing about this uh, concept of the industry commons that I have managed to get um, to uh, the, for the European Commission to take on as a serious policy, and they have launched calls based on this idea, mm -hmm. is about ensuring interoperability between industry and knowledge domains. And this is mm -hmm. a really big deal right now, because yeah. we have found in our grassroots experimentation that uh, some of the best ideas currently are coming by joining two or more areas of knowledge. And if we can allow data interoperability, we can allow various different areas of knowledge and uh, accumulated knowledge so from data systems, from various different data systems to actually work together. And the sort of richness of, of the sort of applications that are then possible is really infinite. We've only been scratching the surface. So um, yeah, yeah. this is very, very exciting. If you think about any of the recent breakthroughs in um, the domain of, of data-driven systems or in the domain of computer uh -huh. science or applications or uh, digital, you will find that they combine two or more areas of knowledge, pretty much. You know, anything that has disrupted the space and it has revolutionized the space or any of the industry partners who have been brave enough to venture into sort of new kinds of applications and territories, they've usually borrowed from a domain that they went previously mm -hmm, occupying. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very exciting space. Yeah. Now, almost all of your life, you are after research for some new options, changing the things, making them better than they are at the moment. And it's truly impressive. But I'm interested in 
What makes you do it? What is the main motivational engine that keeps you going all the time? There is an aspect of how I was, since I've known of myself, which is that I was always experimenting and I was always looking for um, innovative solutions. Um, even as, a, as mm -hmm. a child, I was designing, I was in, uh, inventing new, new kinds of things, test driving new kinds of ways mm -hmm. of doing things. Um, but there is a particular inspiration that I draw from people, generally from people, people with different skills, different knowledge, different areas of expertise. And possibly some of my most inspirational moments have been when I've observed um, environments where uh, we put together people from completely different areas of expertise into a, a space of common understanding. And suddenly, mm -hmm. their different perspectives, when they accumulate, when they join forces, when they look at a problem from all these different perspectives, suddenly, the whole becomes more than the sum of its parts. And this is mm -hmm. incredibly interesting. I mean, the, it, it's so productive. It's so fast. It is not the new enlightenment, because basically in the old enlightenment, you would have had a bunch of books in front of you, which you would go through, um, and you would accumulate knowledge very in a very kind of linear way. This is very kind of dynamic. It's very much about cross-fertilization. It's about firing against each other, really admiring each other's um, uh, experience, uh, what yeah. each person can bring to the table. And this is really across the board. We're talking about cross-culture, cross-religion, cross-different uh, ages of people, um, different levels of experience, but always valuable. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you can have uh, someone who has brought up their children and they haven't been at work for many years and they've gone back to work and suddenly they have a perspective on a particular product or a particular challenge that is invaluable. This is the sort of yep. space that uh, I love operating in, and this is what it's massively inspiring. And then the thing that becomes evident uh, is that um, people discover new kinds of skills, new kinds of directions, new kinds of um, pursuits. Um, they change their careers, or they redirect their research, or they uh, take new kinds of actions, and that's massively inspiring. Yeah. Now, but also you mentioned creativity. Now, creativity has really huge importance for the progress of industries and businesses, but our lives as well. Now, is it really the most important pillar of change and progress, or is there something else we need to focus on instead? What do you think? Well, um, you know, the creative leap, um, as we say, and this is something that I speak mm -hmm. about in my recent TED talk, um, yeah. is something that has really been responsible for some of the greatest scientific discoveries because that's what the scientist needs to do in order to be ahead of all the other scientists who are acquiring the same kind of, they are referencing the same kind of prior yeah. art. Um, but um, creativity is used very much as a you know very broad term and people interpret it in so many different ways. And it has also got this kind of slight mystique around it. People kind of can't really, a lot of people feel they can't pin it down. To me, the element of creativity that I do encourage and I feel is incredibly useful to both business and industry is uh, the ability to unravel a new perspective on things. Mm -hmm. um, for that, uh, you require an open mind. So... Uh, designers, artists, creative thinkers, they tend to um, reveal 
a new aspect of something. They tend to show something from a different perspective. They tend to uncover um, something. So they, they, they do bring new knowledge to the fore by doing that. Um, not by synthesizing what's been there before, but by um, attempting to show something from a different perspective. And this is a very important skill. It is something that I believe every single person has, and I can say this as a fact because I've been doing this now for, I shouldn't even say this, over 25 years now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, had all kinds of people go through our labs and through the sort of uh, uh, experiments and uh, test beds that we've been running. And we bring um, really, you know, very mature people into it who have preconceived ideas and we bring very young people who are perhaps not as experienced but they are very open-minded and then um, every single person in there when they say to me, well I'm not creative, <laughs> I, I always question this and I say, well hang on a minute, um, do you play an instrument? Very often they do. So even if they are hardcore scientists, a Nobel laureate, it will turn out yeah. that they are... Um, they play the piano or they are passionate about classical music or something and they have an understanding of creativity that's uh, far greater mm -hmm. than they realize. When you when they go through our labs, uh, very often they go through a moment of panic and saying, what's expected of me and how can I possibly now become creative? Yeah. But what happens at a certain point is a eureka moment. Um, there's a moment of realization that there's a door that opens and this happens to the realization that there are other points of view which they can apply to the same problem solving. And when they understand how that works, when they experience it by themselves, this door remains open. And this is what's incredibly valuable to companies. When you, um, uh, later on in your job or, uh, you know, at an in industry or in an office, um, you know, none of these people are going to go back to work and go crazy and suddenly become start behaving like artists. They will, of course, go yeah, back yeah, to yeah. their job. But when there is a challenging task that requires a different kind of approach, that door is open. And so yeah. the open-mindedness and knowing how to acquire a different perspective is incredibly important. And it also enables you to be the sort of person that is um, open to other people's ideas, that understands other people's points of view better. So it does actually ultimately contribute to a more balanced society, one that's less kind of biased, less prejudiced. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is where you know creativity is now politically being very much used to bring people together. And this is, a, this is why it happens. This is how it happens. This is why, for instance, the culture creative industries and the mm -hmm. European Commission have been emphasized as the sort of, um, you know, we've been using it as a social glue, very much so, and they are now using it very actively, um, both to galvanize different areas of Europe and, and, and to also to uh, now even galvanize different industry sectors. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you. And I would say that it's just wonderful that people are so different in creativity. Like, everyone is creative in their own way. Like there's yeah. no one is creative like the same. There's no formula. Like everyone has his own personal touch for it. Yes, absolutely. And this part is being uncovered more and more in our test beds um, through, for instance, brain-computer interfaces when we get people to interact with systems directly from their brain. Mm -hmm. And then we realize yeah. 
the sort of new talents that are emerging. And this is this is very linked to that sort of particular individual human ability um, and what individuals and their own perspective can bring into a sort of a jointly created system. Yes. Yeah. Now, okay, I would like to talk about one very important problem, let's call it that way, which is not just specific for our Balkan region, I would say, but world spread. It's that comfort zone that we constantly hear about, talk about everywhere. People like to do things they are just used to, without trying something new or seeing things from a different point of view. Now, is there some radical way to change this? Like how to motivate someone to take a road he never heard of before or to change his or her perspective? Um, you can't blame people for wanting to have stability and to uh, maintain sure. a focus, obviously. That's a useful mm -hmm. skill to have. And also, you know, people have families, they have responsibilities, they have a huge amount to think yes. about. So, so you can't just kind of be pushing them off a cliff every day. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, sure. But but what does help, and as I have mentioned uh, uh, just earlier, is to allow them to experience a different state of mind, uh, 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 the possibility mm -hmm. that there are other doors that can open, the po their own capability, you know, where they discover their own talents, new kinds of talents. So yeah. we put them through an experience. And to illustrate this, let's just imagine... Um, you know, how could you ever be a racing driver if you've never invented a car? Or exactly. how would you how could you be a virtuoso pianist if nobody invented a piano? These kind of human capabilities um, were not possible before those technological inventions happened. And what we are experiencing now is so many new technological inventions, so many new directions, so many new systems. Um, and so many new ways in which we can uncover human talents is absolutely astonishing. I mean, people are, when they go through that experience, um, they tend to be astonished at what they can do. And we are uncovering new levels of virtuosity. So this is another thing that I've, I've mentioned in the TED Talk, which is, um, you know, we, we've had uh, examples uh, in, in our labs where a blind singer from the Sibelius Institute um, turned out to be an absolute virtuoso in uh, brain-computer interfaces. So someone who was in the mechanical era uh, considered less able-bodied, um, perhaps because mm -hmm. her um, inability uh, to see uh, made her less perhaps capable to interface with mechanical tools. Now, yeah. in, with these new tools, she's an absolute virtuoso. And she is much faster and much better than all these experts um, in the lab. So this oh. changes the game drastically and dramatically. And we really need to have an open mind and we need to allow those experiences because it really helps people to grow as people, basically, and discover new capabilities. Yeah, so it's about, it's about creating opportunities for people to explore themselves in various fields. Yes, correct. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And also ensure future skills. So we are going through this transformation where um, we do need to update and upgrade our skill set. Um, even if we are fantastic engineers, we need to um, yeah. basically um, evolve to, uh, you know, we know that some of the skills that are more mundane are going into automation. The same was 
you know, and this is not a problem. I mean, I don't see this as a problem. A lot of people exactly. are saying, you know, AI is more intelligent than us. What does that say about humans? Well, you know, cars are faster than us, and that just ended up being a tool. So, I mean, I don't see the yeah. problem. The, 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 um, the only problem is if we don't approach these tasks uh, with uh, uh, morality and ethics and social conscience. You know, um, but uh, but in terms of using it as tools, they're incredibly useful. Great, let's build more of those. Any of the exactly. mundane tasks that we do, they can do. But in terms of growing ourselves as people, uh, growing our talents, our capabilities, our virtuosities, we now have a great deal more opportunity to develop on in that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, tools like are evolving, so we have to evolve too. Like you said, we, we, we should stop doing that mundane tasks and that boring jobs, let's call them that way, and just move to something else, like upgrade ourselves. Oh, kinda. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we yeah. we've, you know, really, to be honest, we've always done that. You know, as I yeah. say, you know, everybody's a driver these days, or most people are drivers these days. That's an upgrade. You weren't a driver, you know, you couldn't be that before. So it's, 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 yeah, uh, you... it's happened before. We've accepted it as, as, as uh, something that's, it's, uh, whenever there's a paradigm shift as the current one, people do tend to get a bit frightened. When they experience yeah. it, when they see what they're capable of as a result, then they actually embrace it. And it's a great shame that there is a bit too much ignorance about these things in the world nowadays. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this massive rift um, and this polarization in op uh, opinion um, out there of the ultra-conservative, ultra-right, people who are retracting in their own kind of um, attitudes. It's a great shame because I can vouch for any of these people if they were to try these new systems, they would actually realize this is phenomenal and um, uh, they can be used for the greater good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, through your st stromatolite lab, right? Did I, mm -hmm. did I pronounce it right? Stromat you stromatolite, yeah. Stromatolite, yeah. Mm. You worked on developing future concepts for some big companies like Apple, Nike, and similar. Now, I would like to ask you about the future of business or skills, to be more specific. Like, we just mentioned it, but still, everything is being digitalized step by step, which is a good thing, as we, as we concluded. It's the part of natural evolution, but the skills needed today may not be relevant in 50 years or more. So what do you think will be the most important skill set that will stay despite all technological changes we see nowadays? So um, the problem-solving well, problem um, from sort of a problem-oriented or object-oriented point of view, rather than sort of sitting in one area of investigation, um, mm -hmm. what's important is to, you know, we mentioned already looking at things from various different perspectives. If the focus of your attention is how do we get there, how do we solve this problem um, using any knowledge we have, we can get hold of, uh, not just yeah. sticking to one area. I think this um, sort of knowledge exchange and open-mindedness in terms of all knowledge is good and valuable and really needs to be combined, I think this is where sort of education needs to go more into. Um, you may know that, for instance, Finland has um, deployed some of these um, systems into their high schools, where yeah. high school children uh, look at the problem and then they look at acquiring the knowledge that it takes to solve it, rather than the other mm -hmm. way around. 
Um, This kind of uh, type of education is incredibly important. Education that allows a combination of various skills, uh, not just this kind of linear uh, one. Um, uh, Knowing how to do abductive reasoning, which is another sort of term that I talk about in in my my TED talk, and this uh, is uh, the sort of reasoning that allows you to to, uh, take a creative leap. So... You know, normally in science, you just, you deduce, you learn what there is, and then you deduce, okay, so if this, then that sort of thing. Um, In order to take a leap, in order to really be able to solve grand challenges, you sometimes need to take a leap. You need to actually have um, an overview that's a bit broader, that takes more um, elements into account. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about climate change uh, these days. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 absolutely um, uh, astounding what's happening. I mean, I was speaking with um, Eddie Chustovich, you know, the, uh, yeah. your founder, and uh, I was speaking to him. I think it was this morning or yesterday. They had a complete blackout in Melbourne because uh, enormous storms that are linked to the bushfires and the whole yeah, thing yeah. is a just general disaster. I mean, this. These kinds of situations, if we're going to solve them, you can't just approach this from the point of view of an expert in just one field. It's impossible to do that. You need Mm -hmm. to have a broader outlook, broader knowledge. You can focus on a particular uh, aspect of it as your area of expertise, but the broader outlook has to stay. It has to be incorporated in the learning process. So I think for future skills, first of all, lifelong learning. We keep our curiosity Mm -hmm. going all our lives. Um, yep. And and uh, uh, and this idea that uh, we are curious about other people's knowledge and other domains, um, and that we look at what is the problem and which areas of knowledge will help us solve it, rather than just sticking to one one particular area. I think that's mm-hmm. that's really important. Mm-hmm. Now we'll we'll wrap up soon, but I would like to ask you something about top class successful people from the Balkan region. Like, as someone who is a truly world citizen, as you are, someone who has been everywhere, I would like you to make a comparison between people from this region, I don't know, Bosnia, Croatia, Serbia, and all the other countries, and the world, especially its most developed countries. Like, what makes us different? We like to say how we have great potential, super smart people for the highest goals and similar, but is it really correct? Like, are we really so special? Well, uh, of course... Uh, there are incredible talents and incredible engineers, for instance, in our region, and there is uh, incredible people, uh, much mm-hmm. like there are in other parts of the world. Of course, the conditions are different. I mean, if you consider how challenging the situations have been in the past for that region, you can't blame people for wanting um, uh, stability and the status quo. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But at the same time, the harsh conditions make people much more resourceful. For instance, you'll be much more likely to fix your computer if it breaks. Um, You will not be relying on someone else to do that for you. Um, Kids nowadays are building their own robots, uh, uh, plenty. And again, it's it's very much the sort of spirit of of, of the nations that inhabit these these, uh, areas that you need to be self-sufficient, you need to know how to do things. Therefore, we end up with these fantastic engineers always. I mean, we've been exporting engineers all over the world all the time. And of course, the most important thing is to create centers of competence 
such as the one that um, uh, you have in 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 uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and that sort of Eddie has been very kind of instrumental at establishing, yeah. where you can work on global projects because the competence is there, the talent is there. Um, you can work on global projects, but from your local ecosystem, so that you're at the same time contributing to more knowledge in your local ecosystem and more training of you know mentoring further generations etc so this is a this is yeah. a super important point of course that makes people rather special as well you know when you've had to be resourceful when you've had to do problem solving at that scale um you are very useful to the rest of the world and the rest of industry so if we do manage to uh, publicize this um, centers for competence that are local to that area we can service the world you know it has happened in other parts of the world very successfully where sort of certain areas like you know Hyderabad for instance or somewhere like that you know where people for, they come from uh, again harsh environments where they've they've learned how to problem solve and they've established a center that services the world from there so there's no reason why that that uh, can't happen and that the talent um, that is grown uh, locally uh, cannot operate globally. Yeah, yeah. And I also, I, I fully agree. I also think that the, the fact that we have so many problems we have to face with on daily basis is just an opportunity for us. Like we, we've been trained especially good for everything else. Like no. so during your last TED talk, you said how it's all about the courage to take the moonshots, to aim for the greatest goals. I really like that sentence. And now I would like you to ask you to give one final message to all young people who will be listening to this podcast. Well, I always say that, you know, we work to grow ourselves as people. That's why we work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It does happen to provide food on the table, but really this is the aim and this is the goal. Because the amount of time in your life that you will spend working is such that you there has to be this component in it. And what you yeah. end up doing, you know, it has to have a component of lifelong learning. It has to still incite your curiosity at the later stage in life. You know, I'm in my 50s and I'm still terribly curious about everything and I'm it's learning so every yeah. single day you know this is incredibly important and even more so now with these new systems that we've been discussing uh, because you're not going to be doing menial tasks so yeah. the the idea that you can grow more during your lifetime it means that you really need to be thinking about it now and thinking about what am I really going to do in my life and um, is is my direction a compromise or am I really going to allow myself to grow as a person and uh, that means that uh, as well as curiosity you keep an open mind uh, this open-mindedness allows you to gather the knowledge from all these other people and um, you can learn from mm -hmm. others which is essential um, and so shooting for the moon can only be done with an open mind you can't do it otherwise um, and that ultimately will lead to a much more stable society in the future once we get over this period of uh, instability which we're experiencing now i mean we are working towards a goal that is you know a, a society that will be based on these kinds of principles and i hope we'll achieve it right in a in a few years hopefully yeah yeah we are we are all work well the 
important thing is that we work exactly the important yeah. thing is that we work towards it regardless of the sort of um, um, yeah. sometimes adverse conditions because it will come round it will definitely come round and it may look desperate at times and there have been really harsh situations in the past we may have to experience some more uh, it is uh, the state of humanity unfortunately people get scared people get fearful then they kind of do perhaps things they shouldn't um, what we need to do is work towards a stable society that will emerge um, either way uh, yeah. uh, and and that's a, that's the one where we see ourselves as you know the human races uh, with the ability to grow to truly grow yeah yeah exactly okay now that will be all Mihaela thank you so much Thank you so much for devoting your precious time for this podcast. I'm sure that young people from all over the world will benefit from this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Kenan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so you can listen to our podcast on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just type Bea Futures Foundation. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.